0: No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible.
1: This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schapp. This week... We're joined by one of the iconic figures from the world of sports in the last half century. He was the winning quarterback in Super Bowl three, which is one of the great upsets ever in sports. He is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he is the author of a new memoir, All the Way, My Life in Four Quarters. It's a pleasure to welcome to the sporting life, the one and only, the great Joe Namath. Joe, thank you for being with us.
0: Oh, Jeremy, thank you for having me, man. It's always a treat hearing you and talking with you.
1: Oh, well, thank you, Joe. That means a lot. Now, you know, uh, this new book of yours is your first memoir since, uh, one you wrote half a century ago, uh, with somebody named Dick Shap, And it was called, <laughs> I-, I can't wait until tomorrow because I get better looking every day. Um, you waited a long time uh, to update uh, your fans on your life since those moments in the aftermath of 1969 and Super Bowl III. Why did you write this book now?
0: Well, actually, I was approached uh, by a publisher because of our 50th anniversary coming up, which is this year, uh, 69, when we won uh, the championship game. And, uh, this what, this goes back about a year and a half ago, Jeremy, and I, I had no intentions at all of, of writing, a, a book or being a part of it. It is a collective effort, a team effort, I might add, as you know, uh, certainly my work with your dad, that, that was joyful. And, uh, doing this book, it was, uh, uh, it was tedious. It was, uh, pretty tough, uh, going for a good while. Uh, but we got it accomplished, and I'm happy uh, that we did. I had a a lot of help from uh, uh, Sean Mortimer, of course, uh, uh, a co-writer, and uh, my daughter Jessica. Without them, man, I, I couldn't have uh, uh, accomplished it. And, Jeremy, it it made sense, Uh to be able to utilize our team's history for the Jets fans and that occasion in pro football that meant so much, along with uh, some experiences that I've had uh, over the years and and really wanting to share them with a group that uh, may need some encouragement or may need some help. So I enjoyed it. Are
1: you talking about Jets fans, a group that might need encouragement?
0: <laughs> oh, hey, that's part of it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was talking about those of us that may have had an addiction and are dealing uh, in a better fashion with that. And the Jets fans do have an addiction with those Jets, darling. Yeah, we're pulling for them. And, uh, it's been tough, man. Uh, things, uh, hopefully will get better this season. Uh, I would love to see the Jets get to the playoffs and win the championship. The Jets fans deserve it.
1: I'm speaking with Joe Namath, whose new book is All the Way My Life in Four Quarters. Joe, um, you know, 50 years ago at this time, you were working with my dad on that first memoir. I can't wait until tomorrow because I get better looking every day with the famous cover where it's just a, a headshot of you. Um, and here we are half century later and the Jets have yet to not only win another super bowl but even reach another super bowl but this book is about much more as you just suggested than football uh it is about addiction and it is about uh sobriety and it is about finding serenity and peace in your life there's a lot of candor in this book what was it like opening those veins a- and writing about it
0: well it was uh, i did that enthusiastically jeremy i tell you since uh I had the uh, public incident uh, with Susie Colbert that night uh, at at a Jet game. Uh, That uh, brought the reality to me that I did need some help, and I I reached out, and uh, I got the help. I got some education, and it's an ongoing effort, certainly. But uh, moving around the country, I, I had people, and still do to this day, They'll walk up to me uh, in an airport, in a grocery store, at a gas station, and uh, just say very softly, uh, Joe, uh, I'm a friend of Bill's. And that's meaning uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, and a, a, a form of addiction to alcohol, of course. And I said, well, man, you know, uh, I, I, it dawned on me that they didn't need to whisper that, you see. We all have some difficulties, and uh, I don't uh, believe in uh, uh, feeling the shame of having an addiction if we have a chance to overcome it and get together and work toward a better life. And uh, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, we need one another to help us out, and so uh, uh, I, I believe life's a team effort, too, man, and uh, uh, so those that do have addictions, I want to encourage them to to not hide it, but get out there, say help, you know, be loud about it, because there are ways to improve the life.
1: We're speaking with Joe Namath again. His new book is All the Way, My Life in Four Quarters. And, and you know, Joe, you... Um, You were one of the biggest stars in the world, not just one of the biggest sports stars in the mid-1960s and then up through the 1970s, and you've you've remained in the public eye for so long. What was it like dealing with an alcohol addiction, alcoholism, while at the same time you were expected to be this public person, and that's how you made your living for so long?
0: Well, actually, Jeremy, I I got lucky. Uh, Early on in my marriage... uh, uh, and about uh, after a year and a half into my marriage back in uh, 87, uh, actually got married in 85, uh, uh, but uh, boy, now 84 got married. But my wife came to me and she said, you've got a drinking problem and uh, I want you to stop. I want you to go get help. And that, that scared me. That scared me at that time, thinking about uh, having a problem, but also embarrassed me about going to get help, thinking that, hey, wait a minute. I, I, I can't do this on my help, my own. I, I don't have the strength to do this. So uh, I did stop drinking. I promised her I would check in and get help if I didn't stop, and I stopped drinking cold turkey for 13 and a half years. And I found an excuse. Now, this is, uh, part of my education. Uh, when I say I found an excuse, uh, that's how I went back to drinking. I basically found an excuse to go back to drinking. And, uh, that led me, uh, for another, uh, couple of years into the situation, uh, uh, where I was, uh, out of control. I, I, I'm embarrassed totally, uh, uh, I saw that once in my, these years, uh, Jeremy, on television, and uh, and it was recent that I did see it, and uh, I was just knocked off my, you know, I don't know, I embarrassed my family, uh, friends, and everything, so I knew I needed help, and I went to get help, and uh, I did, uh, I checked in, and I uh, got some guidance. I, after that, I, I got my friends with AA and, uh, I've been lucky. Life's been good and it'll continue to be good. It's, uh, addiction comes, like we said earlier, I said earlier, in all forms, man, and we need help from one another to be able to kick it and deal with it. And I hope people out there that, uh, have that question, you know uh, do I have a problem? If you think you have a problem, if you got that question, you need to go find out and and get some help.
1: Joe Nat's new book is all the way, My life in four quarters and, and you tell the story of your life, Joe, through um the device of the four quarters of Super Bowl three, the sixteen to seven victory, which you guaranteed so famously that week in miami when, when the game uh was coming up. And, of course, the first two Super Bowls had been blowout wins for the Green Bay Packers, first against the Chiefs and then against the Raiders. When when the game was approaching in the days before it, did you have any sense of how big a deal it might be if you won?
0: Uh, Not necessarily if we won, Jeremy. Uh, I knew it was a big deal. We couldn't lose. There was no room to lose the game, not only for our team, of course, but the league, the AFL. Uh, we were fans uh, when we watched that first championship game of the uh, Green Bay Packers, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, okay, so the Packers were the better team. We saw that next game they played the Packers and the Oakland Raiders. uh, Well, you know what? Those Packers were a better team and The football world around the country uh, justifiably figured, well, that NFL, you know, uh, they're stronger than the AFL. The AFL is just, you know, they're not there yet. As a team and as a league, we knew we had to win. Uh, As a player, what would you dream of, man? A young player in Little League or junior high, high school, you want to get to the championship game. And as a pro, playing for the championship, man, the world championship in that sport was just absolutely wonderful. And to work, go through the valleys that we went through to get to that opportunity, man, yeah, we knew how big it was. And, uh, you know, the, the, the guarantee was a, a, to Coach Eubanks certainly a, a distraction, and he's right about that. But I simply expressed what I, honest to God, felt and believed and was talking to my teammates and fans, man, knowing how we felt about this game going in. And uh, we ended up, I mean, our defense had those guys off the scoreboard. They didn't get on the scoreboard till late, and we were out there, and uh, it was a turning point, no doubt, because the next one, the Kansas City Chiefs, beat the Minnesota Vikings and the AFL and the NFL went into the merger with two championships
1: apiece. You know, when you win that Super Bowl, you're you're what, 26 years old, uh you're one of the biggest figures on the sports landscape. And beyond that, you're part of um the counterculture in a way. You you are um you are a modern athlete cut in an entirely different mold from your childhood hero, Johnny Unitas, the great Colts quarterback uh, who had been coached by Weeb Bank and who had also grown up in western Pennsylvania. Did you have a sense at the time of what you meant as a cultural figure beyond sports and, and why you were so important to so many young people in particular?
0: You know, Jeremy, I, I, I didn't. No, I didn't. But I was living it. That was a part of my life. This is a part of what I know. Uh, going with the music, uh, the Woodstock, before Woodstock, the Vietnam War, the, the, the saying, wait a minute, uh, we, we could express ourselves and publicly we were ex- expressing ourselves, uh, backing our military, but wondering what we we're doing over there. Uh, the, the attire was different, uh, uh it, it, we were different than old school trying to, to trying to be different maybe than old school and uh I, I was right in the flow of things and enjoying every minute of it and we looked at the uh afl uh players as a new group of guys uh still dealing with a wonderful old sport but uh, the nfl's uh style was uh a little bit old and uh, we just enjoyed the uh, the whole happening, man. From those late, late '60s on,
1: yo. Know, one of the things, Joe, that um, over the years anybody who's been around you, um, who's followed your career, uh, has been sure to notice is that you you never you never um, complained. You never complained or used as an excuse all the injuries that you had, um, you know. You were hobbled, seriously hobbled, uh, in the years following Super Bowl three by injuries. And you didn't get to realize all of your potential as a quarterback as great as your career was. Uh, it could have been greater. Well, you know, would you ever allow yourself to feel sorry, uh, for yourself because of the injuries and the fact that you couldn't show everybody just how good you were? And now I think there's a misperception. On the part of many that you were overrated, when in fact you're someone who had all these great skills, but got
0: injured. <laughs> you know what, Jeremy? Uh, I, 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 sure, I thought about those things. I, I, I thought about uh, what could have been or how how it might have felt to go injury free and play. But uh, this starts at home. Most things do start at home, and uh, whenever I think of my older brothers, uh, especially. Uh, they don't want to hear excuses about things you know they they, they I, I was fortunate I had a terrific experience uh at our doctor uh orthopedist with the New York Jets got me ready enough Dr. Nicholas
1: Jim Nicholas
0: Yes, yeah. Dr. Jim Nicholas uh uh to, to he fixed the knee uh, my right knee to start with and uh it wasn't perfect but it was man we did it you know Jeremy uh to this day uh Uh, There were a lot of injuries uh, that we could talk about, but uh, there are other players that have had worse injuries, you know? And uh, I'm thankful that we were able to win the championship and thankful for the connection to the teammates, coaches, and fans, man. And uh, I don't even... uh, go back uh, and thinking about the injuries other than, uh, there were times thinking, Hey man, you know, if I didn't do this, uh, what would have been like this? Uh, uh, I'll tell you, Jeremy, my, my junior year in college, uh, actually sophomore, I saw one of the best running backs I've ever seen in my life at Alabama named Mike frocky, uh, get a torn ligaments in his knee. And, uh, he he was just absolutely wonderful, reminded me of a thoroughbred man, a stallion running around out that track and the field. He could never play again after that. Uh, I I saw athletes get hurt, even Carl McAdams, one of our defensive linemen stepping off a curb and tearing Achilles' tendon. He would have been a great linebacker, but he was darn tough. He ended up playing in the middle of the defensive line. Uh, but serious injuries, head injuries, back injuries. Uh, now I, I considered myself lucky. I, I, I really did. And the good Lord test us in different ways, man. And, uh, uh, I just needed to play through some things and was fortunate enough to be able to do it.
1: If if you were playing today, Joe, I mean, the way that athletes approach the game now, where it's 365 days a year and it's, you know, the diet and the uh, training and the constant, uh, on the part of many, um, care for their, their bodies and their souls, um, how do you think your career would be different if you were coming up today?
0: Wow. You know, the athlete today is certainly uh, better than yesteryear because of the reasons you just mentioned, as well as uh, the coaches and the training techniques. We have Coach Belichick uh, to start with up there in New England, but he goes back maybe to Hallis and Lombardi and even Eubank. You know, you learn from your predecessors. Coach Bryant, you mentioned. Uh, These coaches learn from the other coaches before them. Things are better in all sports. Today, no doubt the golfers look what they're doing and the tennis players heck uh, it's crazy we still have the old basic problems these racial issues and bias and all that stuff you know with the world but uh there's no doubt uh, uh sports is much better and uh hey jeremy we i didn't get drinking water we didn't get drinking water on a practice field or a basketball court until my senior year in college in 1964, Coach Bryant gathered us together and reluctantly he said, "Look, y'all, we're gonna we're gonna let y'all take a water break here. Uh, don't practice. Uh, the medical staff thinks they need to you need to replenish some fluids there, so we'll go ahead and do that." Well, that was 64. Coach Schuler, Don Schuler went to Miami Dolphins in 1970. And you know what? Dick Anderson and, and, and uh, Jake Scott, these cats told me, man, they practiced three times a day, and in 1970, they still weren't getting fluids on the practice field here in Miami. Mm. Uh, things were different. Uh, the medical people have improved a great deal, too. So... Uh, uh, I would have, could have, should have, yeah, but are, are words that uh, I try not to use. Like, what would it have been like? What could I have done? And I added that, yeah, but Jeremy, because you may remember Don Klosterman. Mm-hmm. Don Klosterman, the general manager of the Baltimore Colts, the Houston Oil, the Los Angeles Rams, he added uh, to the would have, could have, should have list. Yeah, but. No yeah (laughs) buts because invariably and whether it be business meetings or player meetings with coaches, a coach says something, there'll be a player sitting out there and say, yeah, but cook. No, no, excuse me. Just listen and do it my way, do it our way. (laughs) So woulda, coulda, shouldas, and yeah buts, I try to avoid those.
1: We're speaking with Joe Namath. His new book is All the Way, My Life in Four Quarters. And Joe, um... You know, just personally, and I don't even know what the question here is, but uh, because you and my father were closely together, not only on the book, I Can't Wait Until Tomorrow, but also uh, the Joe Namath show, which was short-lived but should have had a longer lifespan. Do you ever go back and watch the Joe Namath show that uh, that my father was part of with you?
0: Jeremy, I your father was one of the best friends I had in life. It was too short a spread. Uh, I didn't realize how important that show was or could have been had we gone on. Uh, your dad was responsible for putting that whole thing together and getting the, uh, guests we had on there, which were wonderful. And, uh, it was one of the first shows, uh, the Classic Sports Network was able to get when they started uh, their network. Uh, it was joyful. It, it took place, uh, the only day of the week uh, that I had off from practice and playing. And uh, again, I didn't have the knowledge. Uh, I, I didn't know uh, how important that could have been. I didn't have the passion uh, to appreciate, the, the education to appreciate what was taking place at the time.
1: I, well, if you haven't seen the show, this is for our audience, uh, I mean, it is really a time capsule. Back to the late sixties. I mean, you guys are sitting on this set, you know, there's, there's booze, there are cigarettes, um, there's all kinds of sexual innuendo. You guys are talking about things you couldn't get away with now in 2019. I don't know if you remember, you used to have this special, like, um, surprise guest. And correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but I think it's your friend Anne Margaret is the surprise guest in the audience one week. <laughs> And she's asking the surprise question. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember this?
0: Yes,
1: yes. And and she says, she stands up and says, we have a question from the audience. You know, my father says, and uh, who stands up? Anne margaret one of the biggest stars in the world, one of the big sex symbols at the time, of course. And she says, Joe, to what do you attribute your quick release? I'm even surprised I'm saying this on radio. And uh, (laughs) and your answer, which I'm sure you've forgotten, is fear and excitement. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and I mean, the stuff that you guys got away with, it was just, um, it's really remarkable
0: Yeah, uh, you reminded me of the show, uh, uh, George Segal was on with Muhammad Ali Oh yeah And George yeah. Segal had just uh, finished a movie with Barbara Streisand, I think it was The Isle and the Pussycat That's right, that's right And uh, they uh, had a nude scene in there hmm and we had to take a break. Your dad picked up on it, because Muhammad was stone silent over there while we were talking about oh, it. Oh, he was very uncomfortable. Uh, uh, George is explaining it. And uh, I, or your father, looked at uh, Muhammad and says, what do you think about this thing, Muhammad? And he said, I am a Muslim minister, and you're talking about nudity and sex up here. What? And that, you know, that's it. We took a break right then. And I don't know how we cut around the things, but... Uh, uh, it, it was uh, an interesting time. And, uh, of course, Muhammad was one of the greatest, the greatest, all right, all right. personality guys. Uh, you had to know him to really appreciate him.
1: Now, you guys on the set of that particular show, as I recall, were speaking with Joe Namath. His new book is All the Way, My Life in Four Quarters. It seems like you you and Muhammad almost get into a fight because you're kind of calling him out on, um, on Joe Frazier, whether or not. Although he was banned at the time, he was stuck in Joe Frazier.
0: <laughs> you might have that little bass awkward. Uh, your dad might have been calling him out. I'm not going to be calling Muhammad out or Cassius before that or Muhammad. No, I wouldn't be calling him out. But Joe Frazier, you know Philadelphia. I'm a Pennsylvania guy, too. And everybody wanted to see that uh, get-together. And uh you brought back a memory of going to Madison Square Garden and seeing that first fight, too, man. What a night that was,
1: boy. March 8th, 1971, probably the biggest sports event of all time. Joe, you've been very generous with your time, and I know you've got a lot of publicity due for this book, Uh Joe Namath's First memoir since 1969 when I Can't Wait Until Tomorrow was published. But before I let you go, and again, I don't really have a question here. I just wanted to say, you know, because of the connection between uh, you and my dad, people sometimes ask me, and I've had the privilege of doing stories with you over the years, people say, what's Joe Namath like? And I always say, Joe Namath is a gentleman. Joe Namath is uh, a great gentleman. He's kind and he's warm. I've never heard him say a bad word about another human being. I've been fortunate to know you uh my whole life, and uh I'm uh among many people who I think if it's the right way to put it, uh thinks this book um is terrific. The candor with which um you've told your story and you've uh offered yourself up as an inspiration to other people who have dealt with addiction issues. So I just wanted to say that, and thank you for coming on the show, Joe.
0: Thank you, Jeremy, for having me, and I look forward to our next visit, man.
1: I'm Jeremy Schaap, and you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern time.